0: our series on prayer thanksgiving concluding our series on prayer today um and, and teaching into this uh, it's beautiful being able to worship jesus this morning and taking a bit longer to be able to do that this morning um I, if, if i being honest, i'm going to try and there's stacks that i have down here but i don't want to get out at it all this morning i feel like i really would love us to finish and worship jesus again <laughs> um we are teaching on spiritual warfare today and there's nothing more significant than lifting the name of jesus <laughs> And so I would love for us to be able to do that uh, this morning. It's hard to believe we're at the end of this series. This is the last teach on it. We began a number of months ago looking around the question that disciples pose, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And then this was the journey that we went through, just exploring and unpacking lots of the incredible teach and depth that Jesus brings to this. This is more than just a nice familiar prayer. which we can so easily go through the motions of this is Jesus unpacking and revealing the power and the significance of prayer that's available to us. Phil referenced at the start that actually Thursday past was Ascension Day and we remember the moment that Jesus went back to heaven. And the reason why we are concluding our series today is because next Sunday as we lead into it is Pentecost Sunday. As Jesus ascended, he told the disciples to wait and that the promised one, the Holy Spirit, the helper would be given to them and just to wait on him. And this Sunday coming, we're gonna be reflecting and we're gonna be celebrating the fact that the Spirit has uh, been poured out on all flesh. I think it's there somewhere in, in this, in one of the slides. I'm just trying to flick through this. The Spirit was poured out on all flesh for all people. This was the prophecy of Joel that was being fulfilled. And, uh, and this is something that is significant, particularly today. Today we are on the final portion of our teaching. We're looking specifically at spiritual warfare. And the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit was poured out in all flesh. I really wanna just take a few minutes before I start talking about spiritual warfare and before we even start referencing anything to do with the devil. Or anything to do with his kingdom i just want us to give preeminence or preeminence and time don't know what that word was but when i give um the significance and time to jesus this morning i really want us to focus on the significance of the holy spirit for us in our lives the holy spirit was poured out in all flesh sadly Many people, particularly sections of the church, believe that the things of the Spirit are not for today. And part of the reason why they get that teaching is because of how they reference or how they unpack 1 Corinthians 13, this passage that is read so often at weddings. And it says this at the end of it, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the parcel will pass away. Many people over the years have believed, a uh, uh, thought that actually the perfect that came was when the canon of Scripture, which was around 200-odd AD, was finalized. They're saying actually that this is when the perfect had come because we have the Logos, the, the, the Word of God, the Bible. That's but, but yet it's really obvious, isn't it, when we look around our culture, when we look around in society, we see the brokenness, we see the damage, We see the hurt. We even look around the fact that we're all sitting wearing masks today because of a virus. We are not sitting in a perfect world. (laughs) That which is perfect has not yet come. And when we're asking, well, what is it? Actually, when we read and we look at the ascension in Acts 1 that Phil mentioned earlier, the message and the good news that those two men had was simply this. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way. He will return, and when he returns and he brings and establishes a new heaven and the new earth, we're told this in the book of Revelation, that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. At that moment when the kingdom is, is brought in in the fullest way possible, there's going to be no more sickness, there's going to be no more death. We are going to worship Jesus in his presence right with him, and that in that moment is when that which is perfect will come to us. And until that time, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. More than ever, we need to be desperate for the Holy Spirit. And so, again, I want to say this, and this is why it's beautiful to be able to worship Him this morning. Before we give any mention or any reference of the devil, we say this, that there's something that is greater and above it all, and it's the kingdom of God. It's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit. Listen, when it comes to this, this is why it says this in Philippians chapter 2, because of how he had humbled himself. It says, God elevated Jesus to the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow the knee to the name of Jesus. There is no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. There's no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. And so when we talk about spiritual warfare, there's no better place to start than to say this. There's no greater name than the name of Jesus. There's nothing greater than being able to pray in the name of Jesus and being able to stand in the authority and power that we have in the name of Jesus. We could almost drop the mic right there and stop it and say, that is it. That is the final talk on it. That is the final mention of it. There's no greater name than the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing to be like saved because of Jesus? Isn't it amazing to be part of the church? Isn't it amazing that actually we are filled with his Holy Spirit? Not just for a nice we seal and guarantee so that yes, we will get to heaven, but we are filled with his presence in our lives right now. And there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. The reality is, well, that's amazing news. There is an enemy. Paul referenced this in Ephesians 6 that we do need to have be aware of, and he says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Some translations will say principalities and powers. And, uh, and while, while we don't want to give them too much credit, the danger is that while, yeah, there's portions of the church that have downplayed the significance of the Holy Spirit for today's age. The reality is right across the board in culture and in society, there's almost a downplaying or a dismissiveness of anything that is spiritual, anything to do with the unseen realm, anything to do with anything of the spiritual world, particularly within the developed nations, within the developed countries. It just seems to be that there is a massive downplaying of anything to do with anything spiritual. Science, if it can't prove it, then it shouldn't exist. (laughs) That's the rationale that comes in our minds. And yet, I had down here lots of different references. I'll well, not do them all for time's sake. But just when you if you have ever been in developing parts of the world, and if you've been there and been able to engage with the church in developing parts of the world, it opens your eyes to start to see the understanding and the, the belief in those nations about the spiritual world. I This week, I, I, was, I was reading up, I was showing Laura... Um, a, a blog that I'd written years ago. This was Laura and I. We went, I think it was 2010. Uh, we went to Cambodia and Thailand for um, a number of months. The church had sent us. We were really exploring different things, believing God around then. more. I think there was actually, I was reading this. You'd, you'd replied to one of my comments. I was reading all the different things back then, just reading some of the stories. This is a by the by. This was us. I'll magnify this. This was the young couple that went out. Look, look at the head of her and that, right? Look at the head of her, and that at that stage, I had so much hair, and Phil had some hair back in back in back in two thousand and ten, uh, and we headed to Cambodia. And I was reading this, just reminding myself of the story of this. This was one of this was one of those moments where the spirit just really. Uh, revealed so much of himself to us and the truth of him this i'm not sure if you can see it but I, the lady on the on the right hand side is a lady called nari she was a lady we became friendly with she owned a restaurant in cambodia that we frequented many nights while we were there doing mission we loved getting her the nice cambodian food as well and uh, you guys know that the, the food's beautiful out there isn't it john and danielle and uh, so we went to this restaurant and the lady and one of the, the lady on the left is a lady called usa and just, let me just reference this. So Usa had, had been married to an Australian man previously. Her husband, I was reading in the blog, her husband had died a few months previous to this. But she had been at home, she'd been injured. And uh, and what had started to happen, Nari came to us, I was reading the blog, like we had just finished what we thought was ministry. We had went to the restaurant, you know, to chill because like we're, we've done, we've ticked the boxes, we've done all we need to do. And this lady, Nari, comes and says to us, she says, Usa has an evil spirit within her. And we were like, what do you mean? And she said, well, her husband's spirit it wasn't her husband's spirit it was an evil spirit mimicking her husband and as Nari had been speaking to usa down the phone Nari was able to tell us that a male australian accent was speaking back to her down the phone an evil spirit had taken hold of her and she said this to us she said you're christians aren't you we said yeah and she said well i need you to come and pray for her and at this point in my head i'm thinking oh, wick. (laughs) (laughs) How do you bluff this one? Because I had never done anything like this. And like both of us were kind of looking at each other thinking, I thought we'd finished for today. (laughs) I just said, we need you to come and pray. And this lady, see what happens in in Cambodia and in many parts of the world? There's such an awareness and an exposure of the spiritual world. they, They follow other gods, other spiritual beings. But what happened, she, she looked at us and she eyeballed us and she didn't realize actually, but she started to speak and declare truth into the situation. She looked at us and she said, we need you to come and pray because we know that Jesus is the only God that can deal with demons. She said, we need you to come and pray because we know that Jesus is the only God that can deal with demons. And it was almost like in that moment, it was just like, we felt like about 20 foot tall, you know, and it was just like, so we drove over and Nari, or Usa, sorry, yeah, she was, God in His kindness delivered her. She accepted Jesus as her Savior that night. We the next, One of the next couple of times I was back with one of the teams, I got to chat with her, we had coffee together. She was going on with the Lord. There, There's a God that's greater. <laughs> but we do need to be aware of this, that there is an enemy that is at work in the world. And I can so easily downplay, and this is the beautiful verse. Let me just get to this, that that John says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. He that is in us is greater than he is in the world. I'm skipping through loads of quotations, but I'm okay about that because this morning I just want to just, I just want to like put Jesus front and center in this. If we're talking about spiritual warfare, this is where it all begins and ends. Jesus is the name above every other name. And today we just want to glorify him so i'm going to try and finish off here in the next five minutes or so and we'll get dixie and the guys that we're going to worship him together again at the end but the reality is that as christians and as the church we have been enlisted into the army of god we have been entrusted to be part of this fight and how we fight and how we join in with this is we need to recognize prayer is one of the most crucial ways in which we can fight. Do you recognize that the moment that you turn your gaze towards heaven and you open your mouth to say, our Father, and you begin to engage with him in prayer, that moment that you begin to engage in prayer is when you step into warfare. Prayer is part of our warfare. And do you realize that this is part of the reason why the enemy wants to shut you up? It's part of the reason why the enemy would want to whisper lies to you and say, God doesn't really want to hear from you today. You can't really pray today. God, your prayer isn't really significant. He wants to shut you up. And the reality is, for us, prayer is how we fight. And this is why Paul, when we, in Ephesians 6, when he talks about. He says these words, finally be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We believe in the armor of God. There's something for us actively to step into. Here's it listed. We'll not take time for this, but here's the different parts. It is something actively for us to dress ourselves and to position ourselves in. But this is where in our minds often it just finishes all these things that are listed on the screen. But yet the next verse, which is still part of the armor of God, in verse 18, he says this, And pray in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, you realize that your prayer is part of how you fight. It's part of our weaponry. It's part of our armor. We pray into these things. Prayer is part of how we fight. We see this in the story of Daniel, Daniel and his three friends who had been brought into exile, and Daniel and Daniel chapter 9, we have this reference how Daniel catches hold as he as he positions himself and he catches hold of the prophetic word of, uh, of Jeremiah. And he realizes that actually it has already been proclaimed and declared that these, this period of exile would last no more than 70 years. And in Daniel chapter 9, he starts to get hold of this and he starts to pray into it. And he believes and he receives another vision from God and he's presently praying in, in chapter 10. He's like, God, what, what is this about? And we read that he actually, he fasts and he prays for 21 days into this. And then. And in Daniel chapter 10, let me just go through that quotation. one. So Daniel chapter 10, we read these words. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. This was one of these principalities and powers that was over an area. And Daniel started in this moment as he was praying. His prayers were being effective, as James would say. They're powerful and effective. But in this moment, he was, in, he was calling in the enlisting of, of heaven. Heaven was joining in. The armies of, of heaven were fighting and were part of this. In this moment, we're introduced to warfare here. Daniel fought the demonic principality by agreeing with God in prayer and fasting. And this is where we as the church need to go to war in prayer. Let me just simply say this. It is not just a nice wee thing that we do. This is how we fight. If you are believing things for your family, if you're believing things for people that you know, if you're believing for that person to come to a saving faith with Jesus Christ, if you're believing for a breakthrough situation, this is how we fight. One of the things to say as well is that for many of the prophetic words, many of the promises that you feel that God has for you, it's the same as what Daniel had perceived in Daniel chapter 9. He realized that it had been already prophesied that it would be 70 years and no more, but yet he still had to contend for it. He had to pray it in he was believing something don't just simply celebrate in the prophetic words. Contend for them. Don't just simply celebrate in the promises that you think God is speaking. Contend for them. Pray for them. Pray them And This is part of our fight. We pray from a place of victory, and then we pray out of a place of identity. The last thing, just simply to say, is this, we pray out of a place of identity. As we cycle back round to the start of the prayer, and I, this is what often caught me with the Lord's Prayer, you know, where Jesus says, so when you pray, pray like this. And I think I said at that point, you know, if I had been one of Jesus' disciples, I would have been getting my notepad out, I would have been getting my pencil, but I would want to take down step by step, point by point, right? Talk me through the strategy of what this is. And he says, so when you pray, pray like this. And he prays these words, Abba. He was saying prayer again isn't so much what it's about, but who it's about. We're in relationship with God. And the fact that that means that sitting here in the room today, if you're saved, we are sons and daughters of God. That is our identity. We are sons and daughters. And I know that, listen, that's not groundbreaking. You've heard that before, but how often do we actually forget that or how often do we allow sometimes the whispers or the lies of the enemy to sometimes take us away from that? We are sons and daughters of God. One of the passages I just wanted to draw your attention to was in Matthew 17. And in this narrative, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, the disciples are trying to cast the demon out of a little boy in the camp. And they bring him to Jesus. And this is what we're told in Matthew 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. The the boy was delivered. The demons were cast out of the little boy. And what we see is here, this word perverse, I just wanted to draw your attention to it. The Greek word for the word perverse here is this word I've written it down diastrepho, I think it is, and it means to distort, a turning aside, a twisted perspective. Listen, in the English word, this idea of perversion, you know, around something that's morally corrupt, you hear people say that, you know, it's a perverted mindset, it's something morally corrupt. In Greek, it's something different. It refers to a subtle deviance from the truth. That's what this means. It's not talking about something like wacky and weird and something morally corrupt. It's talking about a subtle deviance from the truth. And when it comes to our identity as humanity, what we need to recognize is that miles down the road from original design, we don't recognize, it often feels, what normal life with God should look like. And the reason why we don't sometimes grasp it, and even as what it is to live as part of the church, is because we fall for the subtle lies and the subtle deviance from truth which we can step into. Phil often references this. I'm talking around the pillar to see If Phil often references this, that sometimes when you're out in the boat, you've often told the stories over the years, and you say you set whatever it is, the, the coordinates. And if it's even just a slight bit off, at the initial part of it, you don't recognize it, but Phil, you can nod and agree with me here, right? But when you get to the end, you recognize just how far off course you actually are. And it's the same for us sometimes with the subtle lies and the subtle deviances that can come in how we can be well-led. Lou Engel says this, the problems with the disciples was not their power, it was their perspective. Authority was not lacking, appropriation was. And so what we see in Matthew 4, actually do you and the guys want to come up? We're going to worship them together. What we see actually in Matthew 4 in the temptation narrative of Jesus. Um, And before we even get into Matthew 4, so Matthew 4, while Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, just before the Matthew chapter 3 is the baptism of Jesus and the context of Matthew 4, where he's being led into the wilderness to be tested and tempted. What we see is this: this is the, the word that is spoken from heaven over Jesus. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is the truth of what is of what is being spoken. And declared over, and yet in the temptation narrative, this is the question that is being asked time, time again: If you really are the Son of God, in Matthew chapter three, heaven opens up and says, "This is my Son." And in Matthew chapter four, where the temptation starts to come in, it says, "Well, if you really are the Son of God, then prove it. You've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this." I love just one of these final quotes, and then we're going to just lead into. Wrap this up somehow. We're going to worship and pray together. Hopefully you can see this on the screen. Satan's strategy is to tempt Jesus to act in such a way that he will deny the Father's word through insecurity or impatience. After all, he, he has not healed a single person, cast out a single demon, or preached a single message. No water has turned to wine. No tree has withered. No storm has stilled. Neither cross, nor resurrection, nor ascension has yet occurred. How many of us feel the need to prove ourselves, especially in ministry? How can we be beloved, be the beloved, if we have not done anything to earn approval? Satan appeals to the lie. You're the son of God. Act like it. Do something. Get this Messiah show on the road. But a son need prove nothing to his father. He simply abides in love. Before any public ministry or private triumph, before Jesus does any works at all, his relationship is secure as a matter of genetics, not achievement. One of the great lies of Satan's arsenal is to convince us God loves human doings more than human beings. Even when Jesus had no resume, he had the Father's love. He did not earn it. He received it. He was driven into the wilderness to confront the enemy on this very ground. And and what we see in the narrative, Matthew 4, Jesus was never on the defensive with us. (laughs) Jesus was on the attack. (laughs) Jesus was going to disarm the very courses and the very powers of darkness and everything that was lying ahead. And this is what it is for us. Jesus says, I will build my church. and The gates of hell (laughs) will not prevail against it. This is where we need to recognize who we are, we've been majoring in this and grow over the last number of weeks. Know our identity. We are sons and daughters of God. Know all that it means for us. Know that when we pray, we are joining in with warfare and we are fighting in that moment, but we pray out of a place of victory we pray from a place of victory and we pray into a place of victory because we stand in the authority and the name that is above every other name and that's the name of jesus for those that are going into life groups this week to discuss this bit more one of the things that you'll learn or be chatting about in the video is pete will talk about what it is to pray it in to practice it and to preach it and uh, and as we finish the guys are just going to lead us just for it takes three minutes in this text. is that right and Then we'll go get the kids out of kids church one of the th- lines is just in this song, Rescuer. I just love us just to celebrate Jesus in it. But it simply says this line, Hearts that know mercy cannot stay silent. We don't stay silent in our prayers. We don't stay silent in our worship. We don't stay silent in our proclamation because we are on the winning side. Our king is above every other name. We are entrusted and part of the army of King Jesus and what I would love us to do, if we could, we're just going to stand and worship him one last time today. Just This is about spiritual warfare. Let's do this in this moment. Let's worship and celebrate King Jesus, and then we'll pray together at the end. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.